Let us get stuck in this morning. This has been a great series, hasn't it? The kingdom of heaven is like. We've been reminded of stories and accounts, parables maybe we already know, ones that were maybe a little hazy, or ones that indeed were caught afresh and looking at these for the first time. And so this morning, I'm going to get us to turn our attention to the story that Jesus tells in Luke 12. So if you want to look it up in your Bibles or on your phones, then we're going to dig into Luke 12, the story of the faithful servant. You can read this account in Matthew 12 and in Mark 13, as Jesus is teaching about the end of the age. But this morning, we're going to look at it as it's found in Luke. If I can put the passage in a little bit of context, um, because we're picking up towards the end of the chapter, there is a crowd growing. Thousands have gathered around Jesus And he's turning and reminding the disciples, do not be afraid. The Pharisees are wanting to catch Jesus out. And so Jesus is reminding the disciples, do not be afraid. And so as he teaches the disciples, he teaches the crowd around them. You can catch this for yourself across Luke 12, the parable of the rich fool, the reminder of how nature displays beauty and resource seemingly without care. And very carefully, very gently, Jesus calls the disciples, calls the crowd to consider, where is your treasure? He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And then he follows this story with the story of the faithful servant. Remember, Jesus has been teaching his disciples, reminding them not to be afraid, not to worry, reminding them of what is at stake when they lose sight of what is important. And then he says, follow along with me as I read. Luke 12, we're going to start at verse 35. Jesus says, Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning, like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It'll be good for those servants when master finds him watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or towards daybreak. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You must also be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Peter asked, Lord, are you telling this parable to us or to everyone? The Lord answered, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at a proper time? It will be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. Truly I tell you, he will put him in charge of all the possessions. But suppose the servant says to himself, my master has taken a long time in coming. And then he begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come in on a day when he does not expect him, at an hour he's not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. The servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready or does not do what the masters want will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does know and does things deserving of punishment will be beaten with few blows. For everyone who's been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who hasn't been entrusted with much, 
much more will be asked. I wonder what caught your attention in that story. I wonder what you noticed. I'm actually going to read it again because we've, we've got the outline, we've got the flow, and I'm going to read it again and just invite you to notice. What takes your attention? What do you notice? Jesus says, Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning, like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It'll be good for those servants whose masters find him watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. It'll be, good, um, it'll be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or towards daybreak. But understand this, if the owner of the house had not known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Peter asked, Lord, are you telling the disciple to us or to everyone? The Lord answered, who then is the faithful and wise manager? whom the master puts in charge of his servants and to give them food allowance at a proper time. It'll be good for that servant whom the master finds doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose the servant says to him, my master is taking a long time in coming. And then he begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him at an hour he's not aware of. He will cut him to pieces and assign him to a place with the unbelievers. The servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready or does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with a few blows. From everyone who's been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who's been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. I wonder what you noticed. I wonder what caught your attention. I, I think this is a story of three parts. Part one is a story of the servant, the doorkeeper, the story of a servant on watch. Part two is a story not just of a servant, but the one who's a manager, more responsibility. And the third point, well, that's the clincher, and I'll come back to that at the end. Let's look at part one and two. And as I was reading these and reflecting on these, it made me wonder, are we hardwired to hear the negative? I, I'm really aware I often hear the negative in a conversation with someone, even if the conversation is affirming and positive, sometimes it's that one moment of critique that I carry away. I don't carry away all the great things or lovely things or encouraging things. Said, I take away that one moment of critique. In countless interactions with friends, countless positive, happiest, joyous interactions, sometimes it's that harsh word that stays, that lingers. It's almost as if we're hardwired for the negative. And I think there's a danger with these passages like this that we only hear the negative, the critical, the harsh. And so as we listen to this account, we hear the command to be ready. But then what we really hear is what happens if we aren't we hear a harshness. Verse 40, you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not accept him, expect him. 
I mean, do we balk slightly at the command that seems almost impossible? I mean, you have to sleep at some point. How can you keep awake and stand at a door and wait without a break? When I was a teenager, I always found this passage really hard because I always thought I might be obedient to Jesus, but I don't want to be stuck on the toilet when he returns. Now, I don't know why I thought that would be a worry that I would be stuck on the toilet when Jesus returned. Um, I don't even know why I ever thought that was a possibility. But this is not a story of being caught out. This is not a story of being caught away from the door. In the first story, the request is not to wait at a door for years without break. It's just to wait as the master returns from a wedding banquet. Just wait for a shorter time while the master is away. And in fact, there is no harsh words, just the words from Jesus that say, it will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he returns. And in the second story, the charge isn't for the doorkeeper, but for the manager who has been entrusted. And the harshness isn't about waiting. The harshness is about how the manager has treated others in the absence of his master. The manager who beat the other servants, the manager who got drunk, the harshness is about a servant who forgot what he'd been given. But the reality is, sometimes we only hear the negative. These stories are in part about knowing your role, about being obedient. This is about knowing who you are, so your role, your place flows from that. Belonging, place, purpose, holding on to this. This is a story to encourage you to hold on to the things of Jesus. Do not get swayed when pressures, we face pressures from others. For the disciples, it was for the Pharisees. Do not get caught up in the pressures and worries of this world. Remember, I alluded earlier in, in the chapter, Jesus had reminded them of how life is more than food and clothes. This is a call to be people of the real treasure, but also an honest reflection on how we can lose sight. We can get caught up by the pressures. We can get caught up. So he says, be dressed. Jesus says, be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning. Dressed for service. Dressed for service is the only thing that matters in your new identity. Stand tall, daughter. Stand tall, son. Know your name. Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning. Resourced for service, oil in your lamps, and they're burning. Resourced for service, what does that look like? Firstly, it's the Holy Spirit. As humans, we are capable of so much. And as we watch the little humans around church, it's so evident. It's amazing as we watch them begin to walk and run, as they form words, as they are complete sponges to the world around us. And look at us. We are capable of so much, but there is a danger that we think we have it all. But the unbelievable gift of life with Jesus is the deposit of the Spirit within us. I've been reminded of this. Um, I'm reminded of this all the time, all the time. But even over the last few months, I find this context really call me back to the basics of who I am in Jesus. And how I live with him is incredibly powerful. Are you living with him? Not just for him, but with him. 
It was during my 20s that I think I learned this really profoundly. Um, I was working for Youth for Christ. I loved my job. I was working crazy hours, but sure, it was fine. I was young, I had loads of energy, and I loved, I really loved what I was doing. But then I had a season where I was just shattered, absolutely shattered. I would come home from work and I would climb into bed and I would sleep for a few hours every night. The tiredness was relentless. During that time, I lost a lot of my hair. I have a lot of hair. I have enough, thankfully, but I would say I probably lost about half my hair during that time. Clumps falling out when I brushed it or when I washed it. It was a tough, tough time. But amazingly through it all, God was incredibly close. And the learning from it was life-changing because I realized that I was invincible. I wasn't all capable. And if I wanted to spend my life working in ministry, if I wanted to be at this for the next 50 years, then I needed to make some changes. And a shift happened. And I knew it was no longer about my energy or my capabilities. I had to do this with God. I needed his presence. I needed his spirit. This is about a we. Maybe my story resonates with you. Are you resourced in your living? Are you letting God be God in your life? Are you living in the miraculous reality that his spirit is within you? Alongside this, I think there's other resources and rhythms that can be really helpful. This right here, this is one. Gathering. Um, it, tuning in at the same time, if you're watching online, it reminds us that we are not alone. But also our faith is not for the individual, it is for the community to be shared. And so we come together to worship, to orientate our lives to him and to listen and learn together. And this is not just about intentional placing of our lives in front of God. This is also part of resourcing our soul. The gather. Also friends, community, service. Um, you see this too when you spend time with others. Whether friends or ways that you're serving, this is part of resourcing your soul. And if I can add one thing particular in this context of the pandemic, pandemic make sure that you are doing one, at least one thing every week for somebody else. Because I don't know, but there's a real danger, I think. I have found it for myself that I'm so thinking about my life and what's going on with me and how I survive this, that there's a danger that I become really self-involved. And so I had to think, how do I intentionally place myself that I am looking out for others? What small thing can you do every week that just makes sure this is not just about you? I love how Stuart and Dave have opened up this invitation just by Pringles. I mean, it's the easiest thing ever, isn't it? Add a tin of Pringles to your shop every week now from now to Christmas. What one or other intentional things could you do that help you look outwards? So we have a spirit. We're trying to get ourselves resourced with good rhythms like church, like looking out for each other, being uh, good friends, family, community. What about your own time with him? What about devotion? Um, the classic question, how are your quiet times going? But are you eking out time with you and God? Just time to share.
to talk, to read, to listen, or even simply to be present. If you need some help with this, can I recommend the 24-7 Lecto um, app? It is a brilliant resource. If you're like, I'm just not sure what to do or what to use at this time, check that app out, the 24-7 Lecto app. Are you sewing in rhythms that help you stay focused, that help you stay faithful? And do you take a regular check on how you're doing? I think over, like over New Year, just a, how, how you doing? Do you take some time to ask, how is it going, you and God? The last, um, I, I really do appreciate some reflection over New Year. It kind of lends itself to asking some questions. But I've also, over the last couple of years, just tried to put in a rhythm where every summer I take a couple of days and I just spend some time with God. And I just look back over the last year and then start to look forward. What rhythms might be helpful for you? As we think about how we live this, let me share two other stories from the Bible that I think in part illustrate. The doorkeeper getting distracted and the manager losing sight of his position and responsibility. Hold that, those stories of the doorkeeper and the manager in your head as I read these, as I tell you these uh, stories of Jesus. Because I think these stories help unpack this parable that Jesus is telling to his disciples. It's the story of Jesus, and we pick up the story when Jesus is burdened almost to the point of grief as he weighs up the responsibility of what he carries. And I don't know if you have ever been heavy with responsibility, but it can indeed weigh heavy. And in this moment, it was almost unbearable. But he had his friends with him. They were good friends, men he relied on, men he'd shared a lot. And indeed, there is solace in the company of friends. And so he asked his friends to simply be present. He needed to think, to reflect, to pray. And so he asked them to be present, to stay with them. But I don't know, maybe they didn't grasp his need for them. Maybe they didn't grasp the seriousness of it all, but they drifted off when he asked them to stay. They fell asleep when he asked them to stay with him. And in this, he suffered alone. You might well remember that story not long before Jesus was crucified. And I find it really sad. The disciples really let him down. And yet I have such sympathy for the disciples. But they missed out. They didn't realize their role. And here was Jesus asking for their help. And he suffered alone. I find it powerful when I stand that story beside the one of the doorkeeper. And I find myself wanting to whisper in the ear of the doorkeeper, stay strong, stay awake, stay waiting. And so this morning I say to you, stay strong, stay awake, stay waiting. There's another story in the Bible written of a great king. This man's story is an epic one. He was the youngest in his family. He was a handsome young man and he'd proven his bravery and his loyalty at an early age. More than anything, he was known for being a man of heart, a good heart. But we pick up the story not in the teenage years of adventure or even the early years of being a king when his bravery and courage were strong, but a little later. And at last, it seems this king had forgotten who he was. I'm not sure if he was scared or bored, but when it came time for him to leave the city and join his men, his soldiers in battle, 
He chose not the route of bravery or loyalty or even service, but stayed at home. And he let his men go off without him. Unfortunately, this one decision, to be fair, probably the result of a lot of tiny decisions marked this king. This one act of disobedience to his call led to many more acts of disobedience. And the story descends into an unbelievable tale of lust, greed, deceit, and then deep, deep grief. For this king stole another man's wife. He had the husband murdered. And then he took the woman as his wife pregnant and with child, and the child dies. And the king is beside himself with grief as he has poured himself out for the sick child. The king was deeply marked by this time. He did not lose his kingship. In fact, the incident impacted him greatly. And he returned to the man of his youth with bravery and courage and heart, but carried the scars. You can read that story for yourself in 2 Samuel. It is the story of David. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David remained in Jerusalem. Stand the story of David uh, next to the story of the manager, and it is a lived out story of the manager who forgot his role. It is the parable that Jesus told lived out. David forgot who he was. This happens. This happens. Do not forget your purpose. Do not be like the king who forgot, who lost sight of who he was. I think these incidents, the disciples falling asleep, David losing sight of his role as king, put flesh on the stories Jesus is telling us here. Two stories in one. Part one, the servant who either waits ready, the faithful servant, or gets distracted, the unfaithful servant. Part two, the servant who either manages well, the faithful servant, or ignores his role and loses his character, the unfaithful story servant. Like so many of these stories, Jesus told, he simply invites us. He invites us to respond. And remember the wider context, what matters? Where is our treasure? But at the start I said, I think there are three parts to the story and I wanted to save the best bit to the end. Because in all of this, there is a danger that we miss the key point of the story. There's a danger that we miss the kernel of the divine in the story. And I wonder, did you catch the clincher? Remember, Jesus has been teaching his disciples. He's been reminding them not to be afraid. He's reminding them not to worry. He's reminding them what is at stake when you lose sight of what's important. And in this context, he tells two stories of servants, stories that depict what is required of a faithful servant. And I wonder, have I, have we in the past focused on the waiting or the not waiting? Have we focused on the punishment that comes out of the not waiting, not being ready? But I wonder, did you catch the kernel of the divine early on near the start, tucked away in verse 37? And it says in verse 37, it will be good for those servants whose masters find them waiting when he comes. And then he says, Truly I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. When the servant, when the master finds his servants waiting, he will dress himself to serve. They will recline and he will wait on them. Did you catch that? That blows me away. When the master finds his servants waiting, the master dresses himself to serve. And the servants recline 
and the master waits on them. He wants to wait on you. He isn't asking for your service. He is asking us to let him. Are you ready to recline and let your king serve you? The title of today's talk is Faithful Servant. Not simply faithful doorkeeper or faithful servant manager. These are merely merely hints, shadow drawings, half-lives that point to the faithful servant that is Jesus. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. The kingdom of heaven is the faithful servant Jesus. Generous, joyous, compassionate, humble. Faithfulness is evident in generosity. Faithfulness is evident in service. Faithfulness is evident in feasting and parties and celebrations. This is faithfulness. Faithfulness is seen in Jesus' embrace to Peter. Faithfulness is seen as Jesus eats with Zacchaeus. When you see faithfulness, do you also see patience, grace, generosity? This is what Jesus is calling us to. It is not just about rule keeping, or we might say way keeping, keeping the way of Jesus, though it will involve some of that. It's not just about position, though it may involve some of that. It is a chance for the giver to give with joy and generosity. Do we focus on punishment? Do we focus on what ifs? Focus on lack? Focus on the outcome of faithfulness? Faithfulness brings service, brings provision, brings more trust, more trust. Are you ready to recline for your king to serve you? The kingdom of heaven is seen in the act of the faithful servant. Faithfulness knows its role and remains resourced. Take up your role and be people who are indeed resourced. But the kingdom of heaven is seen even more fully in the generous master who serves. Faithfulness rewards the giver with such generosity, it is actually too much. Our Saviour who serves. Let me finish with one last short incident. Another story of Jesus with his disciples, and it was at another meal. And we read that Jesus got up, that he took off his outer outer garment, and he wrapped a towel around his waist. He poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he'd wrapped around himself. He washes the disciples' feet. I wonder, were they uncomfortable? Were they confused? How might you have reacted? Are you ready to recline and let the faithful servant serve you? Are you ready for Jesus to bring food to your table, to refill your glass,
to ensure your comfort, your pleasure, are you ready for him to wash your feet? I don't know about you, but I find this utterly humbling and utterly inspiring. So I wonder, might we live in the shadow of this? Might we too try and do likewise to see our faithfulness to him spill out in our service to others? The doorkeeper who is ready, the faithful manager who, lo- who knows his role and does not lose his character, but even more, the faithful servant Jesus who asks us to recline and let him serve us. Are you ready to recline and let the king serve you?